0: welcome back to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. Calling it one of the greatest honors he would have as president, on Thursday, Joe Biden signed new legislation to make June 19th a federal holiday. Known as Juneteenth, the holiday commemorates June 19th, 1865, the day when enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, first learned that the Emancipation Procurement Proclamation, which had been signed two years earlier, had ended slavery. We are talking about Juneteenth, how it will be celebrated, and the significance of it being recognized as a federal holiday. Joining me now is James Taylor, political science professor at the University of San Francisco. Professor Taylor, thank you for speaking uh, with me today. Sure. So tell me, what is the significance of Juneteenth being recognized? as a federal holiday?
1: It's, it's very significant, especially the way it unfolded. Uh, you know, Joe Biden seemed to wake up yesterday and tell America we're going forward on race and race relations and provided a framework with Juneteenth uh, in order to do that. This is, I, I cannot explain how what Biden has done is basically laid out a, 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 a map and told Black America and America in general, here it is if you want it. Here it is. If you want to transform race relations, here's a framework um, that allows us to begin that process by bringing all Americans at the table every June to evaluate what this issue is related to and then how we can, you know, correct and build and reform on issues that are implicated by those uh, by that reality.
0: Why do you think that the federal government is recognizing this now Um, and, you know, not back during the civil rights era? Is it because of what's been happening in the country? There was just momentum. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's part political and part historical. I think a lot of it emotionally is a response to the George Floyd, uh, you know, uprising last May. Right. And then we had Juneteenth and then we had Donald Trump threatened to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the site of the great massacre that we looked at last month um, in Tulsa in Greenwood on, Ju- on Juneteenth last year. That was the big, last this time last year we were all upset because Donald Trump was threatening to go to Tulsa on Juneteenth and a Black Secret Service agent told Donald Trump that would be a fatal error. Donald Trump went on June 20th to Tulsa, Oklahoma. It was still inflammatory, but you, uh, fast forward, Joe Biden goes to Tulsa and Actually vindicates the, the the people, the ordinary people of Oklahoma, and saying to o- Tulsa, to Oklahoma, and to America, Biden, that we have to do better, and there, something happened here that needs to be addressed. So I think this is I think what Biden is doing is political, but he's also offsetting uh, the Republican efforts around the. Um, critical race theory debates nationally and the 1619 Project, immediately by signing this into law or into policy, it undermines those.
0: Um, Can you explain to us a little bit about what the critical race theory debates are? What are they centered around?
1: You know, it's really silly to me, this national debate about critical race theory, much like Willie Horton much like ACORN, the Republicans have simply found something that they want to scare other white people with. Um, Critical race theory has been around since the 80s. It it was based at UCLA and Princeton, not threatening places, um, by a woman named Kimberly Crenshaw and Barack Obama's law professor, Derrick Bell. Derrick Bell is the father of critical race theory, right? Uh, He was uh, marginalized and ostracized at Harvard for supporting women and the appointment of women as tenured professors at Harvard University. This is Obama's professor. Obama is a student of critical race theory. Michelle Obama is a student of critical race theory. I I teach black politics. I've never taught critical race theory. I've been teaching black politics in San Francisco for 20 20 years and not one time have I taught critical race theory. Critical race theory uh, is the new book bear, the new boogeyman or book bear that the right has created to scare other people with as far as voting, and that's why I think Biden's actions were political. I think Biden, by making Juneteenth a national holiday, offset all of the Republican mobilization around critical race theory and the 1619 Project that they intend to use for the 2022, the 2022 midterms as a wedge issue. Biden took their wedge issue away with the Juneteenth signing.
0: And we want to know how our listeners plan on celebrating Juneteenth, and what questions do you have about Juneteenth becoming a holiday? You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. I want to bring Cree Ray into the discussion right now. She's the Programming Director for the San Francisco Black Film Festival, which is on now through Sunday. Cree, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tell me, how does it feel holding this festival as Juneteenth actually becomes an official federal holiday? Um... It's really, really exciting, uh,
2: especially because every single year our festival does partner with the corresponding San Francisco Juneteenth Festival. So to even be able to now have it as a national holiday, it really speaks volumes to how the San Francisco Black Film Festival just wants to support Black creatives. And I think now that it is a national holiday, it really gives us a time to celebrate and one of the first festivals that we've been able to do in you know, almost over two years now
0: little bit about what you're seeing uh, in in the films this year what what are some of the influences you know are, are we seeing things about the pandemic are we seeing um things about the black lives matter movement what is standing out to you um
2: for me personally it's kind of a mix between the black lives matter movement and then also uh how kind of culture takes into effect. So we do have one film, it's called Subjects of Desire that we'll be playing tomorrow at the Filmar Heritage Center. And that one kind of speaks to the beauty of being a Black woman and um, it has to do with Miss Black America. And it goes back into the history of how the way that our bodies were shaped and, you know, it just was natural for us. It was something that we were made fun of. And now on the flip side that we're in 2021, a lot of people are now getting plastic surgery and morphing their bodies to look like bars, but we used to get made fun of it. And it goes just into like the deep history of everything. And I think as a black woman, that's really something cool that they were able to touch base on.
0: I want to um, go now to a caller, uh, Dana, Dana King in San Francisco. You are actually an artist and you have uh, an installation that you'll be um Installing, performing uh, on uh, for Juneteenth. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, it's very exciting that it's occurring on Juneteenth weekend because a year ago, last last year, Juneteenth sculptures were toppled in Golden Gate Park, and a year later, as of this evening, we will re- we will answer the call, we will answer systems of oppression with a sculpture called Monumental Reckoning. Monumental Reckoning is the story of truth. It is the history of America that America doesn't teach anyone. In 1619, the first slave ship, packed with people, stolen from what is now Angola, left that country and journeyed across the Atlantic to arrive in Virginia. They started with 350 souls and they arrived with 21. Most died along the way. Some were sold off. So we will honor the first core group of Africans who arrived in this country as part of the business of slavery, as part of chattel slavery. And to tell the truth about them, we grew up thinking that, you know, the, the first people on the land here, because we weren't told about Native Americans, were the pilgrims in 1620. Africans came far in advance of the pilgrims. They were brought here to build this country. And they were brought here and experienced terror along the way. Every step along the way. So we are standing, our ancestors are standing around the plinth of Francis Scott Key, who I didn't know until last year when his sculpture was toppled. What a horrible human being he was. And it wasn't just, oh, he owned other human beings. Like, that's morally acceptable. But he was fully invested in the business of slavery in the death of Africans and African descendants. He used his power, his position, his money to continue to legislate for further enslavement, generational enslavement. He supported and sponsored his brother-in-law to the Supreme Court, Justice Taney, who wrote the Dred Scott decision, who said that African Americans can never be citizens of this country. So the 350 ancestors of monumental reckoning We'll be standing there for two years and standing for justice to end systems of oppression in this country that exist for so many people. Laws that were written and carried through today around immigration have the same impact for people of color. We have children in jails along our southern border. We have a Muslim ban. We've had a Muslim ban. It's time to stop the madness. And so I, I hope that the, that the installation, Monumental Reckoning, will encourage people to come to a safe space in Golden Gate Park and sing and laugh and talk and dance. But I also hope, most importantly, that people will come to that space and talk to people that don't look like them. And listen to their stories and share your own. We have to overcome racism. And if, it, and if it's done one person at a time, so be it. But we must do it.
0: That was Dana King, sculptor of Monumental Reckoning, which you can see this weekend and for the next two years. Uh, I also want to uh, go to Michael. He had written... Doesn't Juneteenth memorialize Texas's delaying for two years the notifying of slaves in the state of their freedom? Why isn't the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation a federal holiday? It's much more uh, significant. Uh, James Taylor, what is your response to that?
1: There have been many ritual of, of events and ceremonies that black people develop over time, like Memorial Day. Many people don't know that Memorial Day originated out of black American slaves Organizing uh, Observation Day to thank the 180,000 Black soldiers who W.E.B. Du Bois documents in the book Black Reconstruction, who fought, along with the 350,000 Blacks who walked off the plantations in the general strike. Um, I think it's really important to understand that African-Americans were given oxtail and chitlins, the, the guts of a pig, and they still found a way to make it work for them. So the idea that you would have you know, some sort of corruption in the process. Of um, justice doesn't mean that African Americans can't find a way to make good out of it and with it, and I think that's what uh, we have to recognize: is um, you know, you know, know, there's a statement that people attach to Joseph in the Bible where it says, "God, you know, you meant it for my bad, but God meant it for my good," meaning um, I overcame it anyway. And I think that's what um, the reality is today: um, is that we see real issues, uh, real impacts, but um, people have been resilient and. and, and have been able to, to, to push back through, through culture. And that's what I think the Juneteenth uh, project is about. And I think people underestimate the political implications of what we're talking about. Politics will eventually form around Juneteenth. Politics formed around Juneteenth from the outset. And so I think what happens in the future is it actually, I, get, I, I cannot overstate, it, unless I'm naive, the extent to which Joe Biden just provided a blueprint and a framework for reparations if Blacks and their allies support and mobilize around it as they have other issues um, in their past.
0: that That's such a powerful statement. I mean, and it just speaks to what, you know, the direction that the country is moving in um, as a whole. And I just wonder, James, you know, it seems like at odds, though, the country obviously seems like it's you know, split in a lot of uh, ways. And of course, we had, I believe it was 14 Republicans that actually voted against making this a national holiday. I mean, what was your take on that?
1: Yeah, I'm not, you know, affected by, you know, that. That that doesn't bother me. Um, What I think is important here is we're engaged in big, big history. This is a big historical moment. Most people don't recognize that we've been involved in this anti-police brutality violence movement since the day Oscar Grant was killed on December thirty first, two thousand eight. Really, this movement is thirteen years old, right? We we call it Black Lives Matter, which is not the correct name for it. It's simply an anti-police brutality movement of Black people that is ancient, and what we're seeing is the modern manifestation of it. But uh, I think we should be clear that. Um, that you know, when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we talk about the police violence movement, we're talking about a 13 year long movement now. That's as long as Martin Luther King's movement. So we act as if this is just sort of episodic and right in front of us and from instance to instance, rather than taking back panoramically and recognizing we as America have been doing this for 13 years around policing, not, 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 not the most recent incident. We've made George Floyd more important, but this goes back to Oscar Grant where it all begins, right? And, it, it, and it's moved from site to site, from city to city, from place to place, to town to town. And one of the things we're finding out, for example, is it's an artifact of the Black migration back south. We've talked about here in San Francisco how for the past 50 years, there's been an out migration of Blacks from San Francisco. And that's true of every major city in America. And one of the things I think we have to recognize is that when Blacks are going back, as they're migrating back east, they're going to places where police are not accustomed to them as they are in big cities. He's like L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Chicago. And there are all sorts of checks and balances on policing in those big cities in Alameda County, for example. But if you're in Oshkosh or if you're in Kenosha or if you're in Aurora and you're seeing young black men for the first time with their pants sagging or something like that, Police may have a different reaction than they would in a more liberalized or place where where policing is more supervised. I think I think California supervises its police better than most states. And as a consequence, what we're seeing is part of a, a migration dynamic. Blacks are encountering police. I'm looking at studies that show police are shooting more people in suburbs than there are in cities, and that has something to do with the re, um, location, the re out-migra- the outmigration of African Americans and others. Back east, and to new parts in the Midwest and the South. And so modern policing in those places will have to train themselves to to get up to speed with where their brothers and sisters from the urban centers have been over the past 30 to 40 years. I'm not saying urban policing is better than suburban policing. I'm saying urban policing has more checks and balances on it than suburban policing. And as a consequence, suburban police leaders are gonna have to step up and become more concerned about these these new patterns of interaction.
0: Well, James Taylor, I mean, so much to, to talk about with uh, Juneteenth, and we have been getting a lot of questions from listeners just basically wanting to know, you know, ideas and recommendations for annual traditions and how to celebrate it. Cree ray briefly tell me, I mean, how are you going to be spending uh, this Juneteenth uh, weekend at, at your film festival, I presume? Yeah, I will um, be at the festival,
2: so I unfortunately will not be participating in any fun barbecue. Um, but I am super excited because, you know, like I said, we do have a lot of films that are going to be around the BLM movement. We have a lot of films that are going to be um, just show to kind of show what our struggles were, what our accomplishments were. And I think it's such now a great weekend to be able to really showcase this as a national holiday, too. But I will be spending my Juneteenth weekend running between um, the Metreon and Filmar Heritage Center theaters.
0: Thank you so much. We've been talking about Juneteenth with Professor James Taylor and Cree Ray, the director of the San Francisco Black Film Festival. Forum is produced by Tina Lauenberg, Grace Wong, and Christopher Beal. Our acting senior editor is Judy Campbell. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Brendan Willard. Our intern is Kamiya Akbari. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Katie Orr. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Nina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum.
3: Even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya.
1: You. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country